Am I on? I can't hear myself. You can hear me? Cool. All right. We have two interesting texts to look at today. One is in John, the second chapter, and I'm going to invite you to turn to that. And the other is my subtext, can be found in Luke, the fifth chapter, verses 37 through 39. We'll look at John 2. I am always excited for the privilege to preach the gospel. I was in the car with my mother the other day, and we passed some preachers preaching on the street, and I was tempted to jump off the car and join them. (laughs) I have an assignment. I am on assignment. I am intoxicated with the power of the Holy Ghost. I am excited always to say a word in response to what the Lord has done for me and continues to do in me. And my prayer today, and I am going to pray, is that you will catch the Holy Spirit in a different way, that you will see God, the Holy Spirit, like you've never experienced him before. Amen? Amen. So I hope you left your seatbelts at home and you have your shouting shoes on or prayer shoes on. And the word of the Lord for this congregation today and really for Father Jose, the universal church, period, will either cause you to say amen or oh me, one or the other. So I want you to pay attention to this particular verse in John 2. And it says, everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. In Luke, the fifth chapter, starting at the 37th verse, he told them, meaning he is Jesus, a proverb also. And he said, no one puts a patch from a new garment on an old garment. If he does, he will both tear the new one and the patch from the new one will not match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must, new wine must be put into new wineskins. And both 
are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new. For he says, the old is better. My topic is, what garment are you wearing? Because everybody in the house is wearing one. And so, which kind of garment are you wearing? Let's pray. God of grace and God of glory, we submit ourselves to you, spirit, soul, and body. You have given your servant a word, and I am faithful and will be faithful to deliver it. I pray that it will fall on hearts and minds that are open. So it's in the name of Jesus that I cast down every resistance to your word, every hurt or hard feeling, that the pureness of your word will be heard, accepted, and found, and that you alone, Holy Spirit, will bring the conversion that is needed. I pray that your people will have yes on their lips. Even if the word is going forth, they may say, ouch, But let it be a yes, Lord. Me, 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 me too, Lord. I desire you to think through my mind and speak through my lips. I pray earnestly that the best gifts would be in operation this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So what garment are you wearing? And I had to ask myself, what in the world is going on in this story? Now, Father Jose read the passage in Matthew, which kind of gave you a clue that it was dinner time or lunch time, but the disciples were eating with all kinds of people that weren't a part of the in crowd, the religious crowd. They were eating and drinking and enjoying the presence of Jesus. And the Pharisees or the religious group said, What in the world is wrong with you? You are not acting like us. You're not acting like we Baptists or Pentecostals. And you definitely aren't Anglican because you're too noisy. What in the world is going on? What's the matter you? Beloved, here is the rub. Hundreds of years ago, the same difficulty that Jesus encountered with a religious group we're facing today. It has not changed, unfortunately. Today, we're a little more sophisticated, Father Jose. We're into uh, women. Women? And, And they say, we have a theological difference. And as I get through this message and you hear the word of the Lord, you will see clearly many of our theological differences is nothing but an old wine bag. It's an old garment. It's an old garment. So Jesus hears this discourse with the religious people talking to his disciples. And Jesus is smart as he is. I know you know he's smart and he knows many things. He says, I know a story that everybody understands, the story of wine and how it's contained. So he tells a parable of old wineskins and new wineskins. 
Now, you have to remember this about Jesus. He's a revolutionist. He does things new and bright and beautiful. His ministry is fresh. And Father Jose clearly last Sunday talked about John the Baptist was the baptizer of water. But Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Okay, want to make sure you're awake. Jesus is a right now God. Right now. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that now faith is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. God is right now. So let's impact this dialogue a little bit because it relates to where we are today in the church. I listen to stories from other pastors and leaders from all over the country. I have sat in different pulpits in the past 15 years of my life, and I have seen more than I want to see. I beg God that if I was coming back home, because L.A. is my home, please, I don't want to see any more of the good, bad, and the ugly. I want to see some good stuff. I want to see people that are on fire for God. I want to see people who are doing the Great Commission. I want to see pastors who don't care who complains and talks about folks, but they're going to stand on what the God says and won't keep trying to make the people feel comfortable. You know why? Because hell is not comfortable. It isn't. It really is not. So let's talk about these old wine bags. You have to remember that they weren't always old. You see, they were new at one time. To be able to contain the wine, it had to be new. And so through time, as the wine begins to leave, the wine bag begins to dry and become brittle. What does that have to do with me? I'm glad you asked. There's a church that I love in San Francisco. I call it my home church. And I was talking to one of the ministers there who was now in her 80s. And I've been on a consecration. I said, you know what, what I miss about fasting and prayer is that you can't find a church who has declared a fast. And I remember my church I grew up in, the pastor or whoever was in charge, we knew when January came around, hopefully not before the Super Bowl, that we were going to turn our plate down. And the church was open during the daytime. We had noonday prayer and services at least three or four times during the week. And I said, Lenora, what has happened? She said, you know, Friday nights, they still have something called push. They've done for many, many years, over 60 years. Pray until something happens, okay? And she said they used to go on Fridays at 8 and wouldn't leave till Saturday around 7. They prayed all night. I said, oh, where are the churches that pray all night? Are there any more? And you wonder why it's so dry and people are leaving to go into Buddhist and Islam or something else other than the gospel of Jesus. It doesn't make any difference what the denomination is because, beloved, they're getting ready to dissipate anyway. God is calling the remnant together 
And the old bags that want to be old will continue to be old. But I'm talking to those who have ears to hear what the Spirit of God will say to the church. The foundation of any church or body of Christ has to be fasting and prayer. And you fast and pray until you've got an answer. Coupled with that, you have praise. And you know I talked about praise in my first message to you. Praise will lead you into worship. And when you're in worship, guess what? The glory comes in. And it takes time. You can't do, I was teasing a sister, a Deacon Diane last Sunday. I said, you know, in the Baptist church, we have what we call an A and B selection. And that meant that's all the choir could sing, was your A selection, your B selection. And I, I would hate, you know, I would hate to go to these churches and say, now we will here have a selection from Mount Carmel Missionary Baptist Church. They're coming in their own way. Their A and B selection. I'm going to go, oh, let's get rid of this A and B selection. And my mother, the dutiful as she is, she would sit. She'd roll her eyes that way and then she would start playing and we would start laughing. Every denomination has their own thing, their own customary their own dried-up bag. Mm -hmm. And the challenge is to, to drag the old bag into the new. It never works. You try to cut a little bit off the new to slap it on the old as if nobody else can see, as if God went to sleep while you were doing your thing, whatever it may be. And I hear all over the country, like I've said before, I have heard and I have seen, and it's a blessing that we sung about the holiness of God because he's still requiring holiness from his people. Old bags, old denominations that are falling apart because they have forgotten. You thought I forgot. Praise, worship, glory. And it takes time to wait on God. But really, he's waiting on us. Because we come in with our patches and old ideas of, I didn't like that song, pass me the envelope, you're talking too much, are you getting Avon, oh, what's your sale, are you texting? You'd be surprised at things that I see. And you wonder why you're experiencing so much hell in your house. And you wonder why you don't know where your kids are, or grandkids are at night. And you wonder why your husband doesn't say, I love you anymore, like he used to. And it has nothing to do with you gaining weight. Just look straight ahead and you won't know I'm talking about you. <laughs> I told you this would be an amen and oh me sermon. Old and new. Let me keep going forward. I was talking to a beloved bishop a couple of months ago, and we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit. 
And I was telling him that just before I was ordained to the diaconate, I spent an afternoon with Bishop David Anderson. Love that man. And we connected because I was living in North Carolina at that time, and he had just left the parish there in Newport Beach, and so we Californians were just kind of hooking up together. And he says to me, Tony, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, sir. He said, with the evidence, with speaking with other tongues? I said, yes, sir. He said, it makes him nervous, doesn't it? I said, yes, sir. It does. And he began to pray in the Spirit. We prayed together. I was relating this story with another bishop who was reminding me dutifully of the scripture in 1 Corinthians 14 that we must do things decently in order. I said, absolutely. And you know the spirit is subject to the pro- I said, absolutely. But there's one thing that you guys, and I can talk to him like that, that you guys hide behind. It's old thinking, religious thinking. Paul had to say that because the Corinthian church was rich, they had all the gifts, but they were crazy. (laughs) They were crazy. Coming to communion and drinking the wine and eating the bread and getting drunk, they were going off completely. It's in the scripture, it's right there, I'm not making anything up. I said, so Paul had to put that in there. He also said you should judge the prophecy by two or three. You sit in judgment on what is being prophesied to the congregation. So I said, I understand why you're saying it, but you know what? As long as I've been in the Anglican church, and the Episcopal church, I have never seen anybody roll on the floor, do flips, or whatever it is that you're afraid of, the Holy Ghost makes you do. Never seen it. And I never saw it in the Pentecostal church I grew up in. So what is this all about? And I said, you know what, Bishop? Your arms are too short to box with God. (laughs) You can't do it. You just can't. You've got to go all the way or no way. I'll talk about fear in a little few minutes. Let's talk about the new wine. The new wine is not really finished. It's not fermented yet. Some people don't like it. They like the old stuff that's been sitting, you know, and gathering. And I don't drink wine. I guess it's called Merlot and Chablis and, and come sit by my knee, whatever they're called, you know. <laughs> and the new wine is something that is new. It's actually new. And if you notice in this passage in Luke, Jesus used the word new four times. Twice would have been enough. But four times, that gets my attention, that he has something that he's trying to say about the newness of this wine. The new wine bubbles, and it expands. It releases gases. See, an old wine garment can't expand anymore. The mindset, really, is what we're coming against in Jesus' name, is it won't accept anything new from God. The Holy Spirit is for those ignorant black folks downtown or the other white folks that handle snakes. That's, you watch too much television. And I might add, if you watch more TV than you pray, it's problematic. 
It's problematic. And you wonder why the church is anemic today. Look straight ahead, and you won't know I'm talking about you. The new wine has to breathe. It has to move. It has to express itself within the container. Did you remember the book of Acts? When the author said that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you, he said you're going to be a fool. He said power to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Samaria, and in Judea and to the othermost parts of the world. Beloved, we need the Holy Ghost. We need the power of the Holy Spirit and everything that comes with it. Not just for the clergy, the preacher, the pastor. Every Jane and John needs. With the world we live in now, you know how wicked it is. We need to brightly shine wherever God places us. And we need it just to keep our minds straight. We've got to have it. In Acts, the fourth chapter, it talks about what happened after the Holy Spirit came on the about 120 folks. It must have been so wonderful that when they came out the room, they thought they were drunk. Peter said, we ain't drunk. We've been praying for a long time. But we can hear our languages in these uneducated people. How is that possible? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit that the church was born and revolutionized lives. And it still does the same today. There are just a couple of things I want to leave with you to remember. God is a God of order. But you can't box him in on what you think order is. That is no thinking. I want to invite you to slip off the old garment this morning. This is the first of the year still. Happy New Year. And put on the new garment. And give God the opportunity to speak to you. So that you might desire the word of God more than you ever have before. That you would desire, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. It is a heavenly language. It is a language that the devil didn't even understand. And as you develop your heavenly language, the Lord will even teach you how to interpret it, your language. Don't have time to teach that. I want you to remember that we have to break free from the fear of change. Have to do it. You can't sit on the bench of life when God is calling you forward. Just can't do it. We have to be willing to resist the tradition that keeps us stuck. That keeps you stuck. In other words, if you can remember this, you cannot drive forward 
looking through your rearview mirror. But the olden days, uh-huh, even if they're good. But we used to, uh-huh, I understand. But it's not going to help where you got to go right now. But you just don't understand. I say, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I was in some of those churches in Alabama and Birmingham and Montgomery, and I went in and I looked at the gallery where the black folks could only sit. And the priest came to me. It was, I was at the church in Birmingham where Martin Luther King wrote the letter to the priest when he was in the Birmingham jail to ask him why he would not get involved or invite him to get involved. I was in that church. And the priest there asked me, would I play the chimes? And I turned around and looked at that gallery. I said, okay, guys, this is for you. I turned around and I jumped on that organ and I played my faith, looks up to thee. I slipped out of that Episcopal church and looked this way and saw the Capitol where hoses were turned on black people and dogs were loose. And I thought, my Lord, look what you've done. That traditional kind of thinking has got to go so that you can live and grow. Lastly, we must ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his new, everybody say new. new. I can't hear you. New. Strategies. New strategies. He has them for us. For this church, for the Anglican Church of North America, for our personal lives. Now, the scripture that we read, our gospel lesson, where the wine taster said, My goodness, this wine is fantastic. Where did this come from? Don't you know these people are drunk? They won't know the difference with this new wine. Jesus always saves the best for last. He is interested in us. Think about it. Pouring water into jars of clay. And then take it to the wedding. The only ones that knew what happened were the servants. But the Lord Jesus Christ is interested in everything that we do and everything that we think. Now, in conclusion, how am I doing my time, beloved? Okay. Oh, you know, you know I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I'm supposed to do to the best of my ability. Father Jose talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit last week. And I thought about this illustration that was shown me as a Baptist girl. I was told that this is me. And when I knew I needed a Savior, the Holy Spirit came into me because he'd been dealing with me anyway. So this is some of you. And that's okay. When you die, you'll go to heaven. I don't know what you'll be worth here, but you'll die and go to heaven. But there's something more. 
It's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit simply does this. Jesus Christ is the baptizer. And this is what happens. That's what happens. That's what happens to us. We still look the same. If you were bald-headed before, you would feel you bald-headed afterwards. <laughs> if you had to wear glasses before, you'd probably wear glasses afterwards unless you asked the Lord to give you a creative miracle in your eyes. I implore you. God implores you. He's telling us that he's coming soon. He's telling us, even the weather knows and animals know, that the time is growing short. And we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I was filled with the Holy Spirit on my knees in a church. No one was laboring on me. Nobody slapped oil on me. Nobody anything. And I was just praying with five or six others at the altar. It was nighttime because some of us would go to church after regular service and we were praying on our knees. And I just remember saying, Lord, I just love you so much. Oh, you're so good to me. I don't have the words to express my love for you. And all of a sudden, I began to speak in another tongue. When I left the church, it was wet outside the church. The grass, the sidewalk, everything was wet. But the street was dry. I never forgot that. Darlene is going to sing a song while you meditate on this word from the Lord. It was not an easy one for me to give you because I know where I am. But you know what? I've come to a place where I'd rather obey God than man when it comes to issues like this. God's trying to tell you something. He wants you to let go of the old, the old way of thinking, all the old bitterness, the resentments, all the old things that really drag you down to just drop it at his feet and take on the new garment. Will you still have problems? Of course. This is not a Pollyanna message, but you need the power and the umph to not just survive, but to be victorious as he promised in everything that we will do. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. And your word shall not...